0: Right, church, if you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. This morning, we are in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 33. Uh, so the word of the Lord says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? "'Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus.' "'After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, "'and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit "'and spoke the word of God boldly. "'All the believers were one in heart and mind. "'No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, "'but they shared everything they had.' With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Thank you Aubrey. Hey, good morning everybody. Ah, uh, you guys, the talk behind stage is that you guys are on fire and ready. Woo-hoo! It's a lively crowd this morning. All right, I'm so excited. I get a Ferrari this morning and uh, not a beat up Pinto. (laughs) You guys are ready to rock. I can't wait. I can't wait. Here we go. All right, so this passage is so dramatic in the moment right before uh, this this passage is even more, is even equally dramatic. Right before this whole scene where they get together and they start praying, uh, Peter and John are just on their way to a boring old prayer meeting, right? I mean, for a lot of us, our biggest expectation at a prayer meeting is, you know, that we might fall asleep at some point in the prayer meeting. But these guys, man, that's not how they prayed. They're on their way to a prayer meeting, and they see this guy who is crippled. And Peter just gets, he just gets fired up. and He's like, bro, I want to pray for you in Jesus' name to be healed. Wham, right there, the guy jumps up he's healed everyone's freaking out peter and john are freaking out the guys freaking out the crowd is freaking out they're all freaking out in this big crowd like a flash mob celebrating and peter sees his moment and he starts to tell the crowd about jesus right come on peter he tells everybody about jesus the religious leaders they get freaked out oh my gosh you're talking about jesus they drag them into prison and they start to threaten them if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to do bad stuff to you. They keep him overnight. The next day, they let him go. And the first thing Peter and John do is they run for the hills and try to escape. No, they do not. But I say that because wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I think I would be freaking out. Like, okay, you know, I was into Jesus because this was going to be a fun ride and see some miracles. But I, this is, I'm in over my head. They don't run. They, the first thing they do is they return to their community to renew their courage. That's the first thing they do. Is they go back to find courage. And it's here that we get this amazing glimpse into this idea, this gift of fellowship. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the indispensable role of our relationship with other believers in order for us to continue to walk out our faith in Jesus. And what happens when we lose that fellowship in our life and the impact it can have on our faith. But first, let's define fellowship. Uh, This is what I did. I just just cheated and went right to the dictionary. And uh, we got the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary with a great definition. Here it is. Uh, the bond of common purpose and devotion. So purpose and devotion that binds Christians to one another and to Christ. There it is. Sums it all up. Sermon's done. And wasn't that amazing? That was easy. No, no. Okay. We're going to dive into this passage and let it unpack for us in illustrative fashion what it looks like to participate in fellowship and the difference it makes in our life. But one thing you get right away is that fellowship is way more than just Friendship. Most of us confuse fellowship with friendship. Fellowship might ha- is going to have an element of friendship in it, but friendship is so much deeper, or fellowship is so much deeper than just friendship. Okay, when you think of friendship and think of your friends, draw some to mind right now. What could you say about your circle of friends? Most likely, they're at your same stage of life. It's not often you find a 16 year old's best friend. Group of friends. This guy's posse, rolling on a Friday night, is with a bunch of six-year-olds. Nothing wrong with you, six-year-olds. But for whatever it is, case, you know, we just tend to find our friendship with people at the same stage of life. Okay. Number two, people who are like us, people who have things in common with us. Right. I remember how challenging it was for my kids to go to junior high. They didn't have Pokemon Go, and they're like, "That's all my friends talk about is Pokemon Go." Remember those days? Thank God they're behind us. But nonetheless, they were real and it happened to us. Maybe you participated in it and you're a little embarrassed. But yes, there were these days when we did Pokemon Go and my, my kids couldn't relate to anybody and we are like that, right? We find our friendship with people with things we can relate to, things we both like doing. We find common ground with our friendships with common cultural backgrounds, common hobbies, even nationality. But fellowship is so much deeper this weird thing of fellowship putting us with a room full of people that we would never maybe choose to be friends with. I remember the first time I got a taste of it. 1993, some friends of mine in InterVarsity, a sophomore in college, invited me to the InterVarsity's National Student Missions Conference Urbana. Let's cue the photo. Here I was for the first time in my life with a crowd of 17,000 Christians and these were Christians from uh, students from all over the country so ca- all kinds of campuses are represented people from all kinds of different churches people from all over the world were flying in to this conference to learn about how to you know be more devoted to Jesus but also his mission to the world and how to be a part of that mission there were speakers from Russia, Sri Lanka, Wales, and Uganda. And I remember straining to sift through the thick, heavy accent of this Russian speaker, trying to make sense of what they were saying. And it dawned on me, this is going to blow your mind here. Okay, this was an epiphany moment for my sophomore mind. God speaks Russian as easily as he speaks English. He doesn't strain like he is as comfortable with all of these languages as he is with English. And it just like, gosh, he just got my picture of God bigger than this little Southern California God I had. I had this epic Southern California, Jesus beach, you know, surfing Jesus. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Jesus loves surfing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not committing heresy here, but he's so much bigger than that. And that's what fellowship is about. It's about In a physical, relational, social way, inching us toward the bigness and the greatness of God, that He's bigger than just our little world of preferences and hobbies. Fellowship. In Acts 4, we see that this idea of fellowship is not a human idea, not invented to give us something to do on a boring, otherwise boring Sunday morning. It is God's idea. And so by digging into today's passage, we're going to go verse by verse. So put up the image. I got that cool, this cool little image I drew up on my, my wife's iPad. Here it is. And we're going to just walk through verse by verse what fellowship looks like. And we're going to allow Acts 4 to define fellowship for us and help us understand how to participate in it. So this is my definition of fellowship. Fellowship is the relational bond with other believers that encourages Let's go back. Let's go back to the image. Yeah, there we go. That encourages our devotion to Jesus and then equips us for ministry. That this space here of gathering with believers is not just to encourage us, it's also to equip us for ministry because every one of us has been given ministry and we have to understand that. We have to understand that God has filled us with his spirit to send us out to be a part of something. All right, here we go. Let's start at the top. Verse 23, go to the first slide uh, of this whole thing. Um, and let's start with this whole idea of being encouraged, and there's three key words in the passage. If you look at your notes, I printed it out so you could actually underline and circle. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can really kind of follow along verse by verse. Look at this. There's, in, in the first verse, verse 23, you're going to notice some key words. You're going to notice these words like um, re, uh, reported and raised, and in verse 23 it says this, Peter and John went back to their own people. Substitute went back with returned, and that gives us our three R's in speaker's just love alliteration. We're, we're nerds that way. But the point is there. that the first that practiced, the first thing they did when they were under duress, when they were being challenged, was they returned to the fellowship, to the community of believers. Peter and John went back to their own people. That's the first thing they do. Did. They didn't run away and hide. They They didn't pull a Lone Ranger and get Rambo and go find their stash of weapons and load up and go, I'm going to handle this on my own. We love those movies where this one person just just saves the world, but that's just not the gospel of Christianity. It is the American gospel, but not the Christian gospel, right? There's no rugged lone individualism in the gospel here. And Jesus taught the disciples to go out and to come back, to go out and to come back. And that's a lot like how we're wired as human beings. At the very center of our body, right here, is this thing called the heart. And like the diastolic-systolic pressure of the heart that forces blood out and then forces it to come back through pressure, back to the heart, we live. Now, what would happen if your blood... Let's get nerd for a moment. Just I've got to put my UCSD degree to use at some point so my parents don't resent me. So here we go. You know, what would happen, super easy one, if your blood did not go back to the heart, what would happen to you? Yeah, it's super simple. You'd be dead. Boom. Did you go to UCSD and get a degree? in? Wow. Man. She must be a UCSD student. Secondly, what happens to the blood when it goes back to the heart? Why does it have to go back? What is it lacking? What does it need? Oxygen. That's right. So here's an interesting little metaphor your blood has to go out, so do you. You gotta go out in the world where you're surrounded with people who don't believe in Jesus, and we are exposed to their ideas that contradict the foundational convictions of our belief in Jesus. And ideas are like viruses. Do you know that? They're like viruses. They can be animated and take our life on their own and get into your head and just stick there and metastasize and multiply themselves like a virus. This is what they do, but what Jesus doesn't do is, hey, look, ideas are contagious. Don't go out there, huddle up, and stay safe. He doesn't do that. He sends them out there to be exposed because that is the only way they're going to bring his healing presence to the world. And they go out there and are exposed to all of these ideas, but they've got to come back. And why? Because you need to be reoxygenated. I got to say that right. Reoxygenated. You need to be re-faithed. Because you go out there and you use up your faith. And every one of us is like that. No one, even me. doesn't matter if you think, oh, that guy's up there. He's teaching all the time. And he's got, I just have. No, every one of us is sent out and finds our faith getting used up. And we need to be refilled with new faith. Come on now. Just this last week, I was texting my man, Nick, Nick, I need prayer right now. Reoxygenate my soul with some fresh faith. And that's what's going on here. Whenever you return to community and you return into this space of fellowship, it's to re-faith your soul. Verse 23 um, It says that they reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. I love this one, okay? So this is the second one. They returned and they reported. What this really just means is that as believers in fellowship, it's where we are honest and share about the struggles and challenges that we're having in following Jesus because we are all going to have challenges. How many people here have felt challenged in their faith in the last week? Oh, whoa, this service is much more honest. Or you're just much more troubled. How about in the last month, in the last month, in the last month? Raise your hands. Come on. If in the last week or last month. All right. Okay. How about in the last year? All right. Okay. Now we got everybody. There's some amazing people in this room. It took a year to get your hand up. That's amazing. You're doing better than me. But the point is this simply that we are challenged. And what did Peter and John do? Let's think about this for a second. These guys saw Jesus walk on water that's pretty impressive, man. If I, you know, if I just levitated off the stage and flew over the room, you'd be like, whoa! That might, maybe it would scare you, but it might boost your faith. Jesus, they saw Jesus walk on water. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal people. They heard his teaching. And yet still, when they're challenged, they have to go back and share what they're experiencing so they can be encouraged. they got to go back. So do you. What, is, what has challenged your faith? What is challenging your faith? Because the truth is, you are going to be sent out every week, and we come here, and we're sent out again, like a heart, boom, boom, and you're coming back, but sometimes we get stuck, and we don't come back, and we start thinking, I can do this on my own. I don't need other believers. Yeah, that wasn't that funny last time. It uh, wasn't that entertaining. Uh, it's a little too cold, and, you know. And you allow the, the enemy to sneak in with these little these little petty things, and it starts to. Well, I got this to do today. Oh, I'll just sleep in, and it starts chipping away. But it's coming back that re-faiths you, and we all have challenges that use up our faith. And we need to come back, and whether it's here or into our small group, into our accountability group, because if you don't. Your life is like blood that never returns to the heart. And not one of you, not one of you can carry your faith alone. You just got to hear that. Listen to me. You got to hear that because some of you have lost your faith or you're feeling it slip through your fingers. It's because maybe you're doing this by yourself. You're holding your doubts inside yourself. You're holding the challenges to yourself. You're not allowing... God's design of fellowship to reoxygenate your faith. See there's three areas of challenge that we experience in our faith. For them, they're being threatened to be killed and tortured for their faith. But for us there's external culture that we encounter. They, and uh, we experience challenges but maybe not to be killed, but maybe it's just temptations. Allowing a thought process or a philosophical view to take root in us that isn't from Jesus. Let me read an example. Some of us, the challenges, we go out into the world and we're challenged externally because our, our faith and the convictions of our faith don't make you look cool in other people's eyes. We're afraid of looking judgmental, foolish, ignorant, unintellectual, or just lame. Listen to this writer describe uh, the challenges that we ex- experience. In writing about the pressures and tension we feel in culture, he writes All the believer must do is ease up on the beliefs that grate against the contemporary sensibilities. Tweak your view on sexuality, on judgment, on sin, on holiness to be more embracing of today's mood or move from a particularist view of Jesus to a universalist one, and you are warmly embraced into the fold. You guys, I feel it. I feel it at times. I mean, I just felt it at, the, at, the, at Trader Joe's, old swing buddy at Masters. I've known this person for like a year, but we've never exchanged, oh, what do you do? We were, I ran him to at the, at the grocery store and go, What? what do you do? I'm like, you're not going to choked a little bit, oh, I'm a pastor, because you, you can hide a little bit. and There's no hiding here, man. It's like, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, you know, of course, well, why is he feeling a little, you know, we all get those little moments where like, oh, is she going to judge me and think I'm this kind of person or that kind of person? We all find ourselves getting a little stuck there. All of us do, and we need to re-up Our courage, because we come against the challenges of culture to fit in, to be cool, to be relevant, and we need our boldness renewed, our convictions strengthened. We experience challenges internally within the community. Maybe you have a negative experience with Christian community. Okay, let me ask you this: If you were bringing your child to me. As pastor, to pray over your child, and let's just say, like, Nick and V and Buzz just blocked you and said, Dude, Ryan is too important to pray over your baby. Take a hike. Would that discourage you a little bit? Okay, what if you overheard Nick and I at a coffee shop? We're at Lofty Coffee, and we're sitting there, and you hear us in a fierce debate, and you're like, oh, What are they talking about? Some theology? And you listen in, and We're arguing about who's the greatest. I am better looking. No, I'm better looking. I'm a better preacher. No, I'm funnier. And you heard us arguing about who was better. Would you be discouraged? You would be. Sometimes we have these experiences with church and we see yucky stuff come out. And we're shocked that there's a sinner in our crowd. Do you know that those examples literally happened with Jesus' followers? Literally, when people were bringing their babies to Jesus, they're like, whoa, dude, easy up on the baby action. Jesus is, walks on water, take your baby elsewhere. And Jesus, it says that Jesus was indignant. Or how about this? Literally, uh, the disciples were arguing with each other about who was the greatest. James and John got their mom to come and leverage something some mom power to get Jesus is you know, it's just embarrassing and it just says and the disciples were indignant you think you think ah we come into christian community we experience the faults and frailties of one another there's judgmentalism in this room there's hypocrisy in this room there's greed Fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, unbelief in this room right now, right here. It's like being shocked to find that in this community is like going, walking out of an AA meeting and someone telling you, oh my gosh, did you hear that person's alcoholic? What are we doing here? This is not a good influence for us. We need to get out of here. It's like, I think you missed the point. This is a gathering of sinners who were in need who have recognized their need for God's forgiveness and have hope in His empowering presence to make us into a new creation, to make us like Jesus. Amen. Come on out. Amen. Listen to Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them We'll create community. Amen. Hmm. I'm so thankful for this community. I'm I, gonna just be very frank. Like there are moments I literally I cry. I do, and uh, I get emotional. Just I was sitting out on this little bench in my backyard, and uh, I just started thanking God for you guys, and I just started welling up with tears. I was thanking God for the way in which God moves to this community. Two hundred and ten thousand dollars in two weeks. To minister to the needs of people in Ukraine. Come on. Why, why shouldn't we? We should paused because you know what? We would be selfish, greedy misers if it wasn't for Jesus. So thank God he's in our lives moving through us to do things for people that we don't even know or really care about because we don't know them. But yet God does, and he moves through us to care for people we wouldn't normally care about. But there are internal challenges, external, and there's personal temptations, doubts, personal needs, unbelief, and we need one another to face those challenges. Number tw- uh, thirdly, they returned, they, ra- uh, they uh, reported, and they raised their voices. Verse 24 says, they raised their voices together in prayer. When we raise our voice together in prayer and worship, we fan the flame in everyone's hearts, put up the fire, you know, when you want to get a fire going, what do you do? you got to blow on it. And why? What happens when you blow on a fire? Your oxy. Yeah, come on now. Where do you go to college? Yeah. Come on, USC. Oh, oh, shoot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was used USC. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> come on now. When you guys are literally singing in this room, you're blowing your oxygen into this room. And during COVID, that was very stressful. but. Now we can just be stoked on it and go, you, you are like blowing on the embers of one another's faith. Literally, when we come into this room and you decide, I'm going to raise my voice and look like a dork and I'm going to do some karaoke with these guys, you are literally encouraging the person next to you. Because if you walked in this room and I was the only guy singing, that would be very discouraging. But thank God we are all singing together. And when we sing together, When we pray together and we hear one another's prayers and voices in worship, it just fires up our soul. It fans the flame of one another's hearts. Just this week, a couple invited me to their house to pray with them as they're facing a health crisis that is literally turning their family upside down. Young family, young kids. And just Hearing one another's prayers together just strengthens us. All right. Return, report, and raise. Let's talk about uh, fellowship is where we're equipped. We don't just come to fellowship to be encouraged. We come to get equipped, and this is so important. Let's read this verse together. Let's go to the next slide, the next slide right here. So this is where we've been on encouragement. Uh, yeah, the next drawing I did, yeah, the next one, next one. Yeah, we've been up here on the encourage, return report raise. Now we're down here where they're equipped. And what we're going to find is the equipping isn't some boring training session. They get shaken and failed. God shows up and equips them because it's God that equips us to do the ministry that he alone can do through us. We depend on God. But God's chosen means for us to be equipped by him is this community. That's just the way God designed it. That's the way God wants it. Let's read the passage together. Let's go back and reread this moment. Here it is. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God has created the community, a place for us to be energized and equipped to do the ministry he's given us to do. Listen to Paul reflect on this in Ephesians 4. Paul writes, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do all the ministry because they are the best at it. Don't you love the Bible? You're off the hook, let's get out of here, no. But look at what it says here, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We don't just come to get encouraged. I was hanging out with a guy, a while back, sitting in my backyard. He wanted to meet with me because he was being challenged at our church. And I, and I was like, okay, you're getting challenged and it's bothering you. He's like, yeah. I go, okay, help me understand. Are you being challenged in a way that, is it heresy you're hearing? No. But you're hearing things that are making you uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. But it's not heresy. No. All right. And that challenge is bothering you. Yeah. I I come, this is what he said, I come to church to be encouraged, and I go, that's so true, and you should, but what if there's more, and he got kind of curious, and he goes, tell me, what do you mean? If you had a coach that only told you from day one, you are amazing, you are so buff, you are so awesome, you are so talented, so beautiful, go out there and just be you, I have nothing to add, how good of a coach would that coach be? Let's flip it. Let's, let's go a little further. What if you had a doctor who said, oh, you know what, my, my professor at medical school just said I was brilliant, amazing, awesome, and just said I don't even need med school. Just get right to it. You're awesome. How confident would you feel? Yeah, yeah, there you go. The point is a coach challenges. A coach equips us in, by challenging us beyond our current ability and capacity. And I told this guy, what if you come to church not just to be encouraged, but equipped and being uncomfortable and challenged in your views? We're not talking about heresy here. We're not talking about contradicting the scripture, but allowing your understanding of what it means to apply the gospel to your life is bigger than what you already have. He's like, I'd never considered that. Some of us come to church and we want to hear someone just reinforce what we already know. Come on, ever been there? I get uncomfortable. I get challenged. I, I, oh, you ever listen to Nick preach? Lights out, lights out. You're going to get challenged. But sometimes we're too quick to say, oh, oh, that's not what I was raised to learn. That's not no. That's not the way I ever saw it. No, no, no. And we walk out because we're being challenged. We're being equipped. The word "equip" means this. Look, equip. It means to prepare, to bring to a condition of fitness. Watch out to train. Come on now. Can you remember the last time you were out of shape and you had your first day back at workout? Can you get in shape? Can you be prepared to fitness without a little pain? Come on now. What's the the old saying? No pain, no gain. We know it. We're Californians. We love to be fit. It, It works on the body, but we get a little squeamish when it comes to the soul. We all need to be equipped. And that means we're gonna be pressed beyond our current level of ability and comfort. And that's what's represented by the shaking. It says that the place was shaken and they were filled. When God shows up in our lives to equip us, he's literally shaking us up in order to shake us out of our comfort zone. Don't think for a minute that in this moment, as awesome as it is, whoa, that is so cool, God shook the ground. That would have made me stoked. You're like, oh, a little miracle there. But come on, really, can you remember the last earthquake? It's scary. It's a little, whoa, unsettling. It's like, okay, God, you're bigger than me. You're bigger than these guys I'm afraid of. You're bigger than my problems. It's about being equipped means you're willing to allow God to shake you up. Because he's got to shake you up to shake you out of your comfort zone. Come on, let's go some salt. We talk, This whole series is salt and light, right? The only way to get that salt out of that glass jar is duh, you got to shake it out. It's called the salt shaker. <laughs> but Some of us, you know, we get a little uncomfortable when we get shaken up because you come here only to be encouraged. And I'm just asking you to consider that when we come here, that we should look at it like I'm here to be encouraged, but I'm also here to be equipped. And that means God's going to shake me up a little bit. And that's a good thing. That means the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And that gets us to being filled Oh, actually, the word shake. Let's, let's go back to the word shake. Let's go on to the Greek word here. The Greek word shake means this. To agitate, to disturb, to unsettle. Yeah, God has to agitate us to activate us, to put it simply. It's called, in old school, Christian lingo, conviction. Yeah, It is the burn in your legs and your lungs when you're going past your current level of fitness to a new level of conviction. Come on now. Who could use some of that right now? Filled. Filled reminds us that God is prepared to fill us with everything that we need to do all that he has called us to do, and being filled reminds us that when we're following Jesus, when we come together to be encouraged, and he begins to equip us, he's going to equip you to do things that you would never do on your own, that you would never feel confident, and naturally, when God is equipping us, we are going to feel, I couldn't do that, oh my gosh, I could never see myself be able to pull that off, and you get insecure. That's what a good coach does. A good coach doesn't just put you in the position that you want to be in. When my son was first playing club soccer, the coach would always put him on the left side so that he had to learn how to use his left foot. And he would come and tell his coach, I am terrible on my left. I don't have a left foot. I can't do it. And He's like, exactly. That's why I'm going to put you there every game until that left foot is as natural as your right And God is so good because he's going to walk alongside us in those moments where we're stepping out. Maybe it means talking to a friend who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe for you, it's confronting some areas of unbelief that you allowed in. And God is trying to shake you up saying, hey, don't buy into those doubts so easily. Let me shake up your views. Being filled with God's presence is the energizing power of God in our life to live beyond our capacity by ourselves and that's what you were made for. But the place in which God connects us with that spirit is so often with each other. It's being together that we're equipped by God. I want to invite the band to come on out. The Holy Spirit is the one who reoxygenates our faith. And maybe right now there's a place in your life where God wants to reoxygenate you because Your faith is challenged. Maybe for others of us, it's because God is equipping you and he wants to send you out, but you've been focused on all the reasons why God can't work through you in your life. Why, man, God could never use me to talk to anyone about Jesus. God could never use me to lay hands on someone and pray for healing. God could never use me to share generously to meet the needs of others. That's what we see in this passage, these three things. Sharing, speaking, and then I didn't put it on the screen, but and giving generously. These are amazing areas of ministry. And maybe you're being stretched to be more generous or stretched to be more bold and loving with your words or maybe you're stretching your faith that God would want to heal others through your prayers. But you're like, no way, God couldn't do that. Of course he can't. All right, God can never. You're thinking, you could never do that. But of course you can't, but God can through his Spirit. So going into this song, I just want to invite you, lift up your hearts to God, as we go into this song and we wrap up. Where do you need fresh boldness in your life? Where do you need a, a fresh reoxygenating of your faith with boldness or conviction as you follow Jesus and are sent out today? Maybe there's some place that God wants to send you that you lack faith for, that God can move in? Well, maybe that place is right here. As we go into this song, I want you just to name that place where you need a fresh burst of boldness or conviction or faith in. I want to invite us to lean into this song and see it as more than just a moment where we karaoke, but this is a spiritual moment where you are opening your soul to the energizing influence of the Holy Spirit right now. Through worship, God imparts himself to us, C.S. Lewis. And as we gather together and we sing and we worship, it's more, we raise our voices more than just to have a cool kumbaya moment, but it is a, a moment that opens us to spiritual encounter. And some of us this morning, if we're honest, our hearts feel a little burned out. Can we go to the coal again? The image of the coal and the fire? When I first became a Christian, my friend told me this. He goes, when you have a fire and you take a coal out of that fire, what happens to that coal? Yeah, it burns out. It just stuck with me. I still remember it. It was like a random moment in a parking lot in my high school. And I remember this illustration because it's true. And some of us, and you know, every week we come back to this place a little bit dried up sometimes. A little bit used up in need of our fire, our faith, our conviction to be rekindled. All of us need that. I need that. And there's no shame in admitting that. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling more like the coals on the right than the ones on the left. Or your left, yeah. You know, you're feeling a little dried up. You're feeling... Allow a lack of conviction, faith, or passion, and you need a fresh rising up of the Spirit in you. Hey, some of us, we just need it for our own faith. We got out there and we got some ideas of unbelief, like a virus that got us, and our faith is not what it used to be, and you need God to renew conviction but you can't do it alone and maybe for you this morning it's letting others into the challenges that you're facing to walk out your faith it's being honest with someone sitting next to you it's reaching out to us as a church and saying hey, I could use some help I need some prayer I can't do this maybe for others of us God has been wanting to send you out and equip you to share your faith with people in your life and you've been kind of a little bit stalled out with fear you got cold feet Like the first time I walked up to let this cute girl in sixth grade know that I kind of had a crush on her. I just like froze. I was like, ah! I just kind of like choked up and froze. And some of us are just lacking that courage to, in Jesus' name, just to invite others into spiritual conversation about who Jesus is or what their background is and what do they believe about God. We're just so nervous about offending people or looking weird that we're just wound up and we're just... We're not burning bright. We're, we're more like a snuffed out coal buried under a mattress somewhere. So we're here to be renewed. So close your eyes, just close your eyes for a moment. Let's just open our hearts. Lift up your need to God. Invite his presence to rise up in you. Where do you need his help? Where do you need fresh boldness? courage, conviction. Where have you been doing it on your own? And today God's saying, let somebody know. Let somebody in to help you. up Holy Spirit rise up in our hearts I bless you may those dry places be kindled with renewed vibrancy conviction let's pray a blessing over everyone in this room for those of you who have maybe been sitting on the margins of this community this sense for some of us it's time to take a step closer into this community not sit on the fringes any longer, but it's time to come closer and be known, and to let others know you. I'm also getting this—you uh, know—I just got this. Uh, it's in the passage this idea for healing. If there is any need for physical healing in your life right now, and you would like to pray for physical healing, would you just raise your hand in the air? Hey, it could be anything—muscle pain, joint. It could be cancer. It could be a cold it could be anything raise your hand up all right keep your hand up just for a minute lord i just if you're if you're sitting next to or sitting next to someone with their hand up would you put a gentle hand on their shoulder gentle no no massages no big gestures just a nice gentle little fingertip we just pray holy spirit for your healing power to flow through this room and into these bodies in Jesus' name. Lord, we have no power to heal, but you do, and in Jesus' name, be healed. By his grace, be healed. By the burning desire of his heart, be healed, in Jesus' name. May your pain be lifted. I pray for brokenness to be mended right now. I pray for viruses, bacteria to be cut off at the knees right now in Jesus name I pray for bodies and minds and hearts to be fully restored in Jesus name amen come on now alright alright we did some church this morning if you did send some healing and you want to continue to pray into it buzz buzz is up here We got some prayer warriors up here. We got some prayer warriors. Come on up and get some prayer. If there's some prayer that you still want to lean into a little bit more deeply, come up and let us pray for you guys. We love you. All right, go get your kids. Have a great week. Have fun, everybody.